following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. You should experience lots of explosions with no body parts. Parents should be ready to cover their ears. And now, it's time for the Broken Sea Audio Production, OTR Swag Cast. I say, Doctor, are we showcasing the Broken Sea version tonight? Yes! And now, the Broken Sea Audio Productions version of H.G. Wells' classic tale, the time machine. How exciting! Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape! Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Escape with us now in this Broken Sea recreation of a classic escape radio drama episode to the year 100,080 and a world where beauty and terror live side by side. As H.G. Wells describes it in his immortal story, The Time Machine. When I first met Professor Dudley, I thought him as having one of those intellectual minds that was tragically too brilliant. Whether it was due to the pressure of trying to outdo himself or out of complete frustration of being constantly misunderstood or just out of utter boredom, no matter what the cause, I was quite certain he was mad. And I wasn't alone. That's how his guests talked about him behind his back. They would politely smile and understandingly nod their heads during his monthly dinner parties, secretly grateful, more for the food than for the company or conversation. I was honored to have been invited more than a few times knowing that his guest list usually included renowned university professors, independent scholars, and other men of distinction. However, one night, as it did on quite a few occasions, the conversation involved time travel, a subject that Professor Dudley was more than passionate about. This would make most of his guests uncomfortable and cause them to leave earlier than usual.
<laughs> well, Professor, I suppose I should be off as well. Suit yourself, Philby. Thank you for coming. No, thank you, sir. I'm grateful to be included on your guest list. Yes, I suppose you are. Good night, then. Yes. Um, do you really believe it, sir? Do you really believe that one can travel through time? It's been done. Sir? I've done it, and so have you. We can't avoid time travel. It's our normal state of being. <laughs> of course. But travelling back and forth in time like you suggested tonight? Do you believe that's possible? Do be my friend. It's a certainty. If your mind isn't as tightly sealed as my other guests, you should come with me and see what I've been working on for the last three years. All right. have an impressive laboratory, Professor. Oh, thank you. Now look here. What do you think? It looks like one of those horseless carriages. But where are the wheels? And what's that huge crystal disc in the back? Is that a new kind of engine? It's a time machine. Dudley, you are mad. A time machine. Yes, my friend, a time machine. This thing? This very thing. This contraption. This framework made of quartz and bronze and ivory, with its levers and its dials and seats in the middle. I promise you, Philby, that on this machine, a man can go wherever he likes in time. By working these levers, he can choose his century, his year, his very day. Oh, for really, Professor? Like I told you tonight, time is only a kind of space. If we can move about in all the other dimensions of space, why not in time, too? Oh, you can't just ride back and forth through time. It's impossible. Well, what if the journeys I've already taken in this little contraption? I'm afraid you've been having a bad dream. Very well. You shall have proof, my friend. How? Just climb on, Philby. Sit in the seat beside me, face these ivory dials, and I'll take you for a little ride through time. Well, you mean right now? Right now. In case this thing should take off like a flying red horse, are there any... Um... Any... Any preparations? No, Philby. You won't need any luggage on this trip. Not even a toothbrush. You'll be back here in my laboratory in less than a minute. Oh? Oh, before you climb aboard, please tell me, what time is it? It's, um, just past half past ten in the evening. Good. Be so good as to leave your watch hanging on that coat rack. Over here? Yes. Now, let's get ourselves seated. All right. I'm on. Now what? Hold tight. It sways a good deal. I'd hate to lose you. <laughs> I can't be frightened, Dudley. Then you're braver than I am. Um, yes. 
Before we start, I want to adjust this control a bit. Is, um, hmm. Is everything shipshape? Tell me, did you notice anything? Just then. Only a noise, a humming noise, nothing else. And what time is it? You just asked me, Professor, and you told me to leave my watch over there on the... That's odd. My watch says quarter to nine, but, but it was just after ten a moment ago. There must be something wrong with it. It's only that I touched the lever to test it, and we've gone forward a full day. Well, twenty-two and a quarter hours at any rate. Finished scoffing, Philby? Yes, yes, I believe I have. Then hold tight. This will be the real article. I'm ready, Dudley. Good man. Well, say goodbye, Philby. Say goodbye to 1902. Night was speeding after day like the flapping of a huge bird's wing. I saw the sun hopping across the sky, swiftly across it every second and every second marking a day. I saw the moon spinning through her court like a ball, from new to full, all in the twinkling of an eye. Trees grew and blossomed like leaves of smoke and then passed away. All for the while we were going faster. Now our pace was a year a second, so that second by second the white snow flashed across the world and was followed by the bright brief spring, and still we went on into the future. How do you feel, Philby? Very weak. Very dizzy. Don't let go. Don't fall off. Where are we? How far have we come? We're at 100,050. Yes, I... I believe so. No broken bones. What happened? Not sure. Must have stopped too suddenly. Where are we, Dud? Look around for yourself. A wide lawn. A beautiful, vast garden. I meant geographically. Just where we were when we started. Where my laboratory stood. And the year, Dud. What is the year now? One hundred thousand and eighty. It seemed absolutely incredible. A dream, and a pleasant one, for the garden in which we found ourselves was beautiful and summery, with an unexpected perfume about it, almost like patine. At some distance we could see a large and imposing building, and everything was quiet and peaceful, but almost too much so, and a sense of strangeness, an incredible strangeness, sent a shiver up my spine. One hundred thousand and eighty. Philby, do you 
want to go back. Yes, I, I rather think I do. All right. And maybe now we'll get to 1066 or 1 million BC. Dudley, did you hear that? From over there, in the bushes. Come on. It sounded human. Why, it's a child. Seems to be a very small girl. There's been a beast here of some kind. It's struggled with her. Look at the marks on her arm. Now, my dear, you'll be all right now. You won't be harmed. Of course, she wouldn't understand English. She's motioning us to go with her. What about the animal? Did you see it? No, not a glimpse. Too fast for us. Perhaps we'd better go back, Dudley. The girl seems to be all right now. Leave her like this. Yes, yes, I've had enough. Well, they haven't, Philby, because they're here, all around us. They had crept up on soundless feet to surround us. The little people of this era, and the girl we'd saved was not a child, but a full-grown woman. They all stood, four feet high in simple tunics. Beautiful creatures, but terribly frail, with a plump and soft kind of frailty. They were like airy figures in a dream, and all we could hear were the rustling of their clothes as they circled happily around us. Their faces weaved in smiles. not savage at all. They're a very loving and gentle little people. Yes, but there's something terribly wrong with them. Well, how do you mean? They seem to have the minds of five-year-olds. Well, how do you expect them to be? Far ahead of us, of course. Incredibly ahead of us in knowledge and science. Look at them. Children. They seem to be happy in this huge garden of theirs. Oh, Dudley, I've changed my mind. Let's stay. Perhaps we should enjoy spending a few days with our little friends. The little people led us home, into their valley. They lived in colossal buildings, sleeping all together in one huge hall, eating in another, playing and frolicking in the sunshine, and we lived with them for days in utter contentment. One afternoon, Dudley and I walked along the banks of the great river. that the little people all wear the same clothes. They have the same soft, hairless skin, the same feminine roundness of limbs. I wonder if it's because they're all vegetarian. They're vegetarians because they have to be. You haven't come across any horses or dogs or cattle of any kind, have you? No, Professor. Now that you mention it. With good reason. All extinct by now. Just as the dinosaur is with us such a strange and different place our Earth has become. Yes, I actually prefer it in some ways. Less noisy, more pastoral. With little sheep for people. A pardon? You know what I'm talking about, Philby. As a scientist, I want to learn all there is to know about them and their culture. But I find myself frustrated at the lack of, well... Humanity? Yes, exactly. With the exception of that girl we rescued, any time I try to communicate with them, they all break out into laughter. <laughs> I was trying to teach some of them English. 
but I began to feel like an unpopular schoolmaster amidst children. Very disinterested children. One moment they come up to us with eagerness, and the next they wander away to something else. You sound as if you're disgusted. Perhaps. It seems to me that we've happened upon mankind upon the wane. It's sunset, if you will. What makes you say that? Strength is the outcome of need. Security sets a premium on feebleness. We come from a time when we are trying to make life more comfortable with electricity, connected with telegraphs and wires, and more secure and convenient with the power of steam. All these things are making our lives better. A true civilizing process. How can that be bad? What happened? Where did we go wrong? Come now, Philby. The work of ameliorating and improving the conditions of life must have gone steadily on to a climax. One triumph of a united humanity over nature had followed another. Things that are, for us, mere dreams have become projects deliberately put in hand and carried forward. And the harvest is before us in these playful, grown-up children, devoid of ambition. What a waste. I can't put my finger on it, Dudley, but it doesn't add up. There's something strange here, something hidden away. Silent. The year 100,080 may look pretty, but I can't help feeling that we're being spied on. <laughs> oh. oh, we think alike, Philby. See this? Those are the control levers of the time machine. I took the precaution of removing them and putting a master padlock on the main switches. I don't much fancy the idea of someone riding away with it into another century and leaving us here for the rest of our lives. That makes me feel a little better. The city is so completely different now. I can make out a few geographical landmarks, an ancient building from our time here and there, but even the river seems to be miles from where it used to flow. Yes, quite extraordinary. Come on, then. Let's head back to the little people's shelter and gather our things. I've seen enough of this paradise. I'm inclined to agree with you. Wait, Dudley. Do you know where we are? Yes, of course. This is near where we landed. I thought so. I wasn't sure. Why do you ask? I can't see the machine anywhere. What? The machine's not here. They've taken it away. This is where it was, they've right? Stolen it. it was right here. Look, Philby. Tracks. Look here, where they've dragged it. The tracks. Over here. Come along. That's those brass doors on the base. Open up! You little thieves! The door! They're locked! Dudley, do you hear that? Something's behind the doors. Sounds like movement. And faint laughter. But... But what? Nothing. The machine must be in there. Yes! Inside. Let's go look for something to pry the doors open or break them down. We must get in there. Come on. How? How can we? What can we use? Here. 
Use the ladders. All right. I'll try. Break them down on three. One, two, three. It's no good, Dirtling. They're solid. We'll never break through. Never? Never? There's got to be a way. There's always a way. The doors are solid. I spent the last three years building that machine. I am not going to let a simple door stand in the way of our only way home. Oh, I just realized we may never go home again. Why take the time machine? Why? 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 We were caught in the year 100,080. The time machine was gone. The brass doors of the monument held. Our retreat was cut off. The thin line by which we could make our way back home, back to our own time, our own people, back to 1902 was broken. And the little people's language was still a mystery. Any time we tried to communicate with them, it was met by howls of laughter. But it wasn't hostile. They weren't taunting us. Their attitude was innocent. They were more like simple, wondering children. Only one, the young woman whose life we had saved on that first day, became really friendly and was able to tell us her name. It was Weena. She always kept close, and she went with us wherever we walked and slept near us at night in the hall. She'd always make us garlands and bring us flowers, which she would sometimes drop in our pockets, the very thing being somewhat of a mystery to her, along with grass or whatever she fancied at the time. I was pleasantly surprised that Dudley wasn't furious at her for this. I suppose the main thing was, we had a friend. And as time went on, we were able to teach her a few words in English. Now that we'd some ideas, redoubled our efforts like men racing against the clock so that we might speak to her and discover the secret of our immense loss. We were talking to her one night after the others had gone to sleep. How can you be so sure your people didn't steal the machine? No, Dudley, no. Not we. Aren't there any thieves among Dudley, you? Dudley, no. Are they all perfect? Not so loud, Dudley. You'll wake them. Besides, she doesn't understand. The thief must be sleeping somewhere in this hall. Weena, they take machine? No, Dudley, no. Who then? Who took it, Weena? We are friends. Yes. We must have machine. Yes. Dudley, yes. Who took machine? Other people, not yours. Other? What about those doors, Weena? Doors? No! Open? No! Weena, machine. No! In there, must open. No, no, no! Not open! Not open! Bad, bad, bad! All right, never mind. Go to sleep. Get some rest. Yes, Dudley, sleep now. What's to become of us, Philby? Are we caught here in this century to spend our lives with the little people and their secret? We'll go back to the monument tomorrow. We'll find a way of breaking in. Good night, Dudley.
Dudley? Dudley? Yeah? Did you just... There it was again! What? Something on my face! Cold! Filthy to the touch! On my face! And in my hair! It's cold! It's dead! Dudley! Right. There's something in here with us! It smells of the grave! What was it? I don't know, but look at them! Look at the little people! It's as though they've been stampeded! Let's get out of here! I want some fresh air! We went quickly from the hall and outside away from the little people. The moon was full, just overhead, and it was close to dawning. There was a faint sound speeding close behind us, and we turned, our nerves ragged, our muscles tense. But it was only Weena coming swiftly to join us. Dudley, I'm afraid. Dark! What do you mean, Weena? There is something. Dark. What? Dark things! Dark place! Night! Why should they be afraid of the night, Dudley? It's not the night alone. Dark place. That's our clue. Perhaps it's something underground! underground. It was another day. We had wandered into a lovely wooded place about a mile from the community. Suddenly, Weena screamed. We stopped short. A pair of glaring eyes were fixed upon us. As we stood there, petrified, the thing, a little ape-like figure, rushed across our path and disappeared in the clearing about 30 yards away. <gasps> what was it? I couldn't see it too well. It seemed to be a dull white thing with white hair on its head and on its back. It looked like a small ape. It was running on all fours, with its arms held very low. Weena, Weena, what was it? Morlock! A Morlock! Who are the Morlocks? What are they? Weena, tell me. No, no! Let's go over and see where it disappeared. Come along, Philby. In the clearing, we found a round, well-like opening. Dudley and I leaned over and looked down a deep shaft. A small white creature was retreating down a ladder in the well, like a human spider, its large white eyes watching us as it went swiftly down. Then it disappeared in the shaft. Philby, did you see it? Like an ape? Yes but also like a man. So there are two species of men in this world. Yes. The little people above the ground and this obscene thing, this bleached monster below. That white look, common to animals that live in the dark, like huge rats, like worms that are cold to the touch. I know because they have touched me. Philby, 
You can feel the air being sucked down into the shaft. Yes. The earth must be tunneled enormously here under our feet. These monsters must live in the tunnels. I think we know now who stole our time machine. Yes. Then, then we'll have to go down and have a look. No! No! Not go! Why not, Weena? Morlocks! You never come back! We must have our machine, my dear. You wait for us here. No! And so we went down, our heels ringing on the small metallic bars that were meant for creatures so much smaller than us. Down we climbed, down, down, ever in darkness, ever it seemed into the center of the earth, into the core of the world. the land of the Morlocks. Do you have a match? Yes, here. There seems to be a large vaulted chamber at the end of this passage. What do you suppose they'll do if they catch us? I have no idea. Better take care not to be caught. Ah, another match. That, that throbbing noise. Probably the ventilating system, pumping the air down. There must be thousands upon thousands of these Morlocks living under the earth. We haven't seen any yet, except for our friend who came down ahead of us. Why do you suppose they wanted our time machine? I think they wanted us, not the machine. And we've come to them. We must. It's our only chance. You know something, Philby. If that noise does come from air pumps, why is it so stuffy here? So oppressive? I noticed that too, Dudley. What's that strange smell? Blood. Blood? Light another match. Dudley, look straight ahead, on the white metal table. It's set for a meal. Yes, with a small haunch. Do you see? Meat! We know that the cattle are extinct. Then what do they feed on, these Morlocks? Don't you know? Yes, I know. Oh, another match. Yes, right here. Dudley, I have no more. I've used our last match. What ill planning. Of course. Well, without matches, we have no choice but to return to the surface. Come on. Right behind you. At any rate, we know the secret now. The Borlocks, living here underground. They are masters of this age. And our friends up above are merely fatted cattle. Fed by the Borlocks, clothed, supplied and housed until the day when they're cut out of their herd and brought underground as food. It's not the fading utopia. No. This is the future you're looking at. This is our future. Dudley! What is it? In this darkness, I felt hands, cold hands. There are pipes along the walls. Do you feel them? Some are loose. Did you get one? Give it to me. Use it as a weapon. Lash out against the ball. They're all around us. Feel me. They're here. 
Beside me! Use the pipe I gave you! Use the metal pipe! We went back into that evil darkness, fighting every step as we went, back to those projecting bars, kicking and clawing ourselves loose from their talent-grasping hands, and climbing up again, up towards daylight and freedom, away from their stench and the eagerness of their icy hands, and they did not follow, for daylight was their enemy and their great fear. And we lived among the lush gardens of the little people like prisoners, like men without reprieve, like men who are dead but still walk the earth. For the time machine was locked away behind great brass doors, and we knew we could never force them open. Then, one day, Wiener told us of an old building, an ancient sagging structure that had survived through many ages and was filled with many curious objects. Museum. That's what it must be. A museum, Philby. Perhaps from some earlier time. I'm in no mood to go looking at a museum. Don't you see? Specimens are medically sealed in museums. Perhaps there are things, weapons, machinery, something we can use. Professor. Yes, yes, of course. If we could find some dynamite or gunpowder or something. We could blast those doors. We could get in. Where is this place, Wiener? This old building that no one ever goes near. I take you, it not far. A chance, Professor. A slim one, but a chance nonetheless. All day we wandered through the great ruined halls. The building had been deserted, unused for perhaps a century. The childlike men of that time had long since ceased to care about anything but their own personal comforts. We found nothing useful to us until then. Now came the worst disappointment of all. And it's dust. All of it. It's been dust for countless centuries. Another dead end. It's hopeless. We were out of our minds to hope that nitrites would retain their form for a hundred thousand years. We go now, if nothing here? Wait, just a moment. There's something in this case. Well, you could break it with your lever. Stand back a little. A box of matches, medically sealed. Wait, let me see. Why, they're perfect, solid and sound. They're not even damp. What should we do with them? Burn down those brass doors? Well, you'd better keep them. You can't tell. Philby. What? On the floor. You see them? Small, narrow footprints leading away into the darkness at the end of this gallery. Dudley! We'd better go. Pick Weena up and carry her. We're going to have to make a run for now, it. Now, don't be frightened, my dear. <laughs> It'll be all right. Dudley! Go on, Dudley! run! 
came out of the gloom of that place into the deeper gloom of dusk, and suddenly we saw we were trapped. All around us were the Morlocks. They were there by the thousands, surrounding us and coming closer. The long, even line of deathly white, their eyes blinking in the half-light, their tiny mouths alive with appetite. Yes, I have the matches. Light a fire here in this dry grass. The forest around us is dry. Hurry, man. We'll have an inferno here in a minute. Uh, Our little friends don't like light. Or heat. The fire leapt high to the heavens and the countryside was ablaze. The Morlocks turned in fear, blinded by the glare. Some of them plunged into the raging flames and the rest faded away like a fog. Dudley had left a narrow passageway for our retreat and we fled down a long corridor of leaping flames and blistering heat. We fled towards safety to the community of the little people. As we ran, we passed the huge monument with its great bronze doors that were locked tight in our time machine. And suddenly, in the glare of the distant fire, we saw something that stopped us short. They're open! Philby, the doors are open! No, not going! It's a trap! Dudley, no! They're waiting for us to go inside! Waiting or not, we're going in! Dudley, it's suicide! It'll take me one minute to screw the levers on again. Then I touch them, and we're away! All right! I'll try to give you your one minute. Good man. No, no, no. No, leave me. Now you, you, my dear, you hold tight around my neck. You're coming home with us. All right, let's go. Wait. Look, the machine. They haven't harmed it. My goodness. It looks like they've cleaned and oiled it. <laughs> it's a trap, all right. They'll be around us any moment. I don't see them yet. Come on now, quickly. Oh, the doors, Dudley. They're closed. It's pitch black again. Just get in the seat. Billy. I'll be ready in a moment. I waited for the hump that would signal our departure. There in the darkness, the Morlocks were finally upon us. Cold, persistent fingers swarmed over my body, tugging at me and pulling me away from the machine. I held tight to Wiener as any man would hold fast to life. I tried to kick them away with my feet. So we came home again, back into the very minute in which we had left, back into 12 noon, October 6, 1902. 
we were in Dudley's laboratory again, motionless, sitting on the ridiculous contraption which he has called Time Machine. Yes. He's gone. Yes, we've made it. Are you all right? I'm all right. Good. And Weena? Weena isn't with us, Professor. What happened? They tore her from my hands. At the last second, they got their filthy, cold talons around her. I tried to save her. I couldn't. I still have a piece of her tunic here in my fist. A little piece of her tunic, Dudley. Nothing else. Was it all a dream? Did any of it happen? Could any of it happen? Of course not. How stupid. Then what of this? What of this piece of thin green silk I hold in my hand? Tonight's production are Draven Schoberg as Wiener, Mark Colita as Professor Dudley, the Morlocks voiced by Stevie Farnaby, and Paul Mannering as Philby. The announcer is Joe Stofko. Music by Income Tech, Peter Wicks of Westlake Films, Celestia Leon, Seraphic Panopoly, and Cantiga. This has been a Broken Sea Audio production. For more fantastic audio drama, stop by www.brokensea.com. Have a good evening, and come back again next week. This has been Bill Holwig from West Texas for Broken Sea Audio Productions. www.brokensea.com Diddy, The music for tonight's episode was composed by Brian of Seraphic Panopoly and Stevie Farnaby. Professor Dudley and the Doctor voiced by my good friend, the brilliant Mark Kalita.